And God, we are so thankful for your powerful name, the name that's above every name. We've gathered here today to worship you, to seek after your face, and to be changed forever through the reading of your word. And so God, we just ask that our hearts would be open and be receptive to all that you have for us. And we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. It is so great to be with you here today on Father's Day. I'm excited that you chose to join us. And again, if you are a first-time guest, do us a favor and fill out this card. Even if you attend Propel Church regularly, there's an opportunity for you to let us know how we can pray for you and, and share what God is doing in your life, even steps to get involved. That would be absolutely incredible. And uh, dads, we're just so thankful that you gave us the opportunity to honor you today. Church, can you help me honor all the dads in the building? Pump for you. And after the worship experience, stop by the man cave. It's it's just for dads today. You can go in there and, and well, I won't tell you what all's in there, but you had to go by for yourself. So if you're a dad, stop by the man cave after the worship experience. I'm excited for uh, you to hear uh, the message today. And uh, I'm going to introduce the person who's going to deliver God's word to you in just a moment. I had the opportunity of meeting Mike uh, about five, six years ago, and we were sitting in the lobby of another church, and he was preparing for his first youth ministry trip, and, and he was a little overwhelmed and a little anxious. I just remember talking with him and going, look, if you don't lose kids, it's a win. And so we were just going through this whole process of, of what it looked like to do ministry, and I've watched over the course of the last five, six years, I've watched him grow so much and watched God do some incredible things in him, through him, and in his family. He's one of the leaders in our student ministry, and I'm so excited for him to deliver God's word today to you. Will you help me welcome Mike Moore to the stage? Thanks, man. Good morning. How's everybody today? Awesome. It is, uh, it is an absolute honor to have the opportunity to be up here uh, with you guys today and I'm excited to share what, what God's put on my heart. Are you guys excited? Yeah. Awesome. More than two people responded. That is great. You guys are actually excited to be here. Um, so cool. So before we dive in, I just want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. You guys are, you guys are awesome. Um, for me, being a dad is like one of the coolest things that's ever happened, right? Um, I think this Father's Day in particular has been especially special for us. Um, for those of that you don't know, uh, my beautiful wife and I just had a baby boy like three weeks ago. Um, so that, that makes uh, number three for us. So there they are. Uh, we're officially outnumbered. Um, we're, we're in zone defense from here on out. So you guys pray for us. Uh, that's uh, Sawyer on y'all's left and, and Reagan with the curly hair. And then, of course, our newest addition, Lincoln, there. And so... We're, uh, we're excited to, to have him a part of our family. Um, what's interesting for me is that uh, each time we've had a kid, uh, something in me shifts, like mentally and, and emotionally and, and even spiritually. Um, see, when, when we had our first kid, I was introduced to this new kind of love that I've never experienced or, or knew before. Um, and it's fascinating because we, we learn that God loves us more than our minds can comprehend. And, and while that's true, and, and while I'll never completely understand the love that God has for me, I do believe that I get a little bit closer to understanding that with each kid we have. Now, I don't know about you, but like, that's a good reason to keep making babies. Like, come on, somebody. Uh, all kidding aside, um, 
having kids and becoming a father has, has opened my eyes to this new kind of love that, that I didn't know before and, and that'll never change or go away. See, my kids can't earn my love. There's nothing they can do to make me love them less. Uh, it's given to them freely because of who they are in relation to me, right? In the same way, God loves you and I based on who we are in relation to him, right? He doesn't, he doesn't love us more or less based on our actions. He loves us unconditionally. See, when we accept Jesus into our lives, we are now become uh, adopted as sons and daughters into his heavenly family. And so I just think it's, it's really cool that, that we get to experience that uh, together as a family. And, and as you grow and, and have children, um, you, you kind of get to experience that love that God has um, you know, really, I believe that God has been pursuing relationships with us from, from the very beginning. You see, um, back in the garden, God actually dwelled with Adam and Eve. It was, the only reason we were separated to begin with was because of sin, right? But since then, God has been pursuing his children, so much so that he would send his one and only son to die for us, right? Like, so that one day we could be reunited with him, that's amazing. Like, he loves us that much, right? And so, based on his actions, I believe that God values relationships over rules. Amen. He values the relationships over the rules. In Matthew 22, verses 34, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. See, Jesus wasn't saying that the law wasn't important. We shouldn't murder people, right? Like, we shouldn't be unfaithful to our spouse. We shouldn't put the love of money or, or anything else above the love of God. What he's saying is that all of that rests or depends on the fact that loving God and loving people and your neighbor take priority over that. Yeah. Now, if you're wondering who your neighbor is, you should check out Pastor Nick's sermon from a couple months ago. He digs into this scripture a little bit deeper and talks about who your neighbor is. If you're looking for the cliff notes, it's all people. You gotta love everybody, sorry. Um, see, if it were about the rules, we would be pursuing this works-based faith. If it were about rules, we would, we would fail every time, right? See, I think Jesus confronted the Pharisees about this all the time. Like, time and time again, Jesus would do this really cool thing or, like, heal somebody, and the Pharisees would start hating on him, right? Um, we see in Matthew 12, Jesus uh, heals this guy's deformed hand on the Sabbath. A little later on, we read in, in John chapter 9 how he restores a man's sight on the Sabbath, both times, the Pharisees plotted against Jesus for breaking the Sabbath. But both times, Jesus said, no, 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 people are more important, and we should value the relationships over the rules. Amen. See, what does that look like, right? I mean, so, okay, he values relationships over the rules. Okay, Mike, what do we do with that? I believe today that we need to understand that, that God has designed us to pursue three different types of relationships, now, I know what you dads are thinking. It's like, it's Father's Day, and he's up here talking about relationships. Like, what in the world? Like, what about, like, you know, wives submit to your husbands and, you know, something like that. Like, no, well, that, that's for a different day. Come on, get out of here. Um, 
So the first relationship I believe God has designed us to pursue is, is a relationship with God himself. You see, um, we, we need to understand that God is our source. I love spending time with my kids. I love watching them grow and to develop into the person that they were created to be. We were made in the image of God, so I believe God enjoys those same things. He love, loves watching us. He loves watching his children grow and develop into the people he created us to be. But more than that, God wants us to want to spend time with him. You see, I like spending time with my kids. I like going and playing with them. But when they come to me and they're like, hey, daddy, let's go for a walk. Or, hey, daddy, can you play kitchen with me? It's even better because now I know they desire to be in my presence, right? It's the same thing for God. And see, Jesus was very good at doing this. We see him getting away all the time to spend time with his heavenly father. Even in the midst of his busy schedule, like, Jesus was a pretty busy guy. Like, he was traveling all the time, he was preaching, he was healing, doing all these crazy things, right? But he still made time to spend with his heavenly father. And the very first time we see Jesus do this is, is right after he was baptized. And, and I think this is intentional um, to show us the importance of getting alone with our God and with our heavenly father. Um, let's see, I love how Mark puts it in, in chapter one, verse 12. It says, the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. If you're taking notes, spending time with God does not prevent temptation, but it does provide ministering. See, when we spend time with God and, and we begin to get uh, closer to him, he'll give us the strength that we need to fight off those temptations, right? Psalms 4, 4, 5 says, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. He sustains us, right? He's our source. After that, Jesus continues to spend time with his heavenly Father. There's one time, uh, also in Mark chapter 1, a little later on, Jesus had started uh, teaching in a synagogue. He had healed a man, and then uh, Scripture tells us that he went to Simon and Andrew's house, and there he healed Simon's mother-in-law and many others, and he drove out many demons. Picking up in verse 35, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. A little bit later, again, still in Mark, chapter 6, uh, we read the story where Jesus fed over 5,000 people. And after that account, we read that uh, after he had left them, he went alone on the mountain to pray. You see, Jesus recognized where his power came from. I don't think it was a coincidence that he went to spend time alone to pray with God after he performed those miracles. I believe he needed that rest from God. I believe he needed to figure out, okay, God, I've done this assignment. What's next? Where, where am I going next? In the same way, we need to understand where our strength comes from. We need to understand that God is our source and that when we come to him, not only will he provide rest and ministering to us, but he will show us where our, where our next assignment is. What is our next task? What is it he has for us, right? And so... I think it's important. We, it, it, we got to do that. Um, the, the third thing about spending, uh, or the, I guess the next thing about spending time with God is that um, he will, he'll, he'll draw close to us, right? right. Uh, James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That, that first part's easy, right? Draw near to God and he comes close to us. Like, cool, we can get on board with that. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
You ever gotten a compliment from somebody and then right around, like right after that, like, they say something like, oh, but, you know, you got to work on this. Like, I feel like that's what James is doing here. He's like, hey, here's the good news, but uh, you got to work on this. What, what James is saying is that double-minded or, or undecided people are those who mix God's law with their own reasoning. They, they prefer uh, personal opinion over the voice of truth, right? Like, that's where we have to, to, to understand that as we spend time with God and he draws near to us, it's not just about getting closer to God. It's, it's allowing our desires to become one with his. See, when we spend time with God, we no longer have our own desires that we're trying to do unless if we're trying to put God in a box on, on Sundays, right? When we spend time with him daily, it's not God's will and, and me doing my own thing. They begin to come together and we begin to walk in oneness with Christ, right? And so uh, the, the next thing we, we need to understand about pursuing a relationship with God is that he just wired us this way, right? Like, this part is fascinating to me, and, and I'm going to get a little scientific on you, so just bear with me for a few minutes. I want to talk about three different parts of the human brain. Now, I know you guys who just graduated are like, man, I just got out of school. Like, for real, it's summer. Dude, get out of here. Just bear with me, all right? So the first part of the brain is the, the prefrontal cortex. This is the part of the brain where all of your logical decision-making happens. The, the second part of the brain I want to talk to you about is called the amygdala. Now, the amygdala is a very primitive, uh, basic, fear-sensory part of the brain. When, when your amygdala is highly functioning and triggered, it overrides your prefrontal cortex to where you can no longer think logically. We've all experienced this. Like, for example, we're watching a scary movie at home by ourselves in the dark. First of all, why would you do that? Um, so we're, we're doing that, and we hear a noise in the next room, and, and all of a sudden, like, we're freaking out. Like, we know it's nothing, but we can't get over it. Our amygdala has taken over our rational thinking. The, the third part of the brain that, that I want to talk to you guys about is called the anterior cingulate. Now, the anterior cingulate works as a buffer between your prefrontal cortex and your amygdala. Think of it as like a seesaw or a teeter-totter, depending on where you grew up. You've got prefrontal cortex here and, and the amygdala, and then the little part in the middle that kind of holds the balance is the anterior cingulate. Now, the anterior cingulate, when developed and highly functioning, allows you to understand God as compassionate and personal, allowing you to have compassion towards others. So, depending on what is most functioning and highly developed in you has giant implications on what your faith is like. If you have a highly developed amygdala, you have a fear-based legalistic faith where you're just trying to appease this angry and wrathful God. In other words, you have a works-based faith. Now, if you have a highly functioning prefrontal cortex, you have a very logical, rational faith, or lack of, right? In fact, a lot of atheists have a very highly functioning prefrontal cortex. If you want a thriving, vibrant faith, one that understands a God who, who understands you, who knows you personally, who has compassion for you, which then allows you to have compassion for other people and notice the needs of other people, you need a highly functioning anterior cingulate. So you're like, okay, Mike, that's a really good lesson, but what does that have to do with anything, right? So there are two leading neurologists, and in their studies, they, they claim that they're, they're not of the Christian faith, and, and to me, that gives this even, even more credibility because they're not some crazy Christian scientists who are trying to propagate the, the Christian faith, right? They, there's no bias here, um, 
they've been working and, and doing these studies, and, and the number one way to increase your functionality of the anterior cingulate to give you that, that vibrant faith, prayer and meditation. Isn't that amazing? Out of the many studies they did, they, they took a controlled, a controlled group of people who had never had any experience to prayer before, and they, they convinced them and you know, had them sign up for eight minutes of prayer six days a week. This next part is crazy. They found that within two months, there was a 50% increase in the functionality of their anterior cingulate, and that change was a permanent change. That after two months, those people that had... Uh, those people reported back having a different understanding of God and of noticing other people's needs, seeing themselves in a different light in response to who God is as well as compassion towards other people. That's amazing. We read things like Psalms 139 where he, he formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Verses beyond that talks about you know, how he knew us and he knew the plans for our life. And, and, and while we, we read that and we understand that, it, it's more than that. He, he didn't just create us with the intention of knowing our plans and knowing our, our jobs and who we were going to marry. He literally wired us so that our brains would understand him more and have compassion towards other people as we spent more time in his word and in prayer with him. Like, isn't God just so crafty? Like, that is awesome. Enough science. All right, no more of that, I promise. Um, super important. Number one relationship we should be pursuing is a relationship with God. The second type of relationship that I believe we should be pursuing are those within biblical community. See, growing up, my dad always said, choose your friends wisely. He would say things like, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Heard this one a lot. Guilty by association, right? I would always think things like, nah, dad, I'm my own person. I do my own thing. I make my own decisions. Those people don't influence me. The older I get, the realize he wasn't so crazy after all, right? Kids, students, teenagers, I promise your parents aren't as crazy as you think they are. Yeah, I figured I'd get at least one of those. See, the fact is we are a product of our environment. See, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Proverbs 13.20, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You want to be in an environment where you're just around people who just tell you what you want to hear? Or do you want to be in a life-giving community, one that brings hope and love and joy? People that will hold you accountable for your actions, not to condemn you, but to help you get better, to help hold you to this higher standard, to make you a better person. See, I... um. I have the privilege of, of uh, leading the students here at, at uh, Propel, and, and a couple months ago we were talking about serving, um, being servants for Christ and, and loving people in and out of the church, and it was fascinating because one of the students um, had suggested that people aren't vulnerable with each other anymore, and that relationships are very surface level. Like, how true is that? Like, much as we don't want to admit it, like, he had a really good point. Right? I, would, I would say that for a lot of people, like, we, we, you know, we don't want to get in deep. Like, we, you know, we try to keep things surface level because if people knew the real us, if they knew the thoughts that we had or the things that we struggle with, they wouldn't accept us. Or worse, they would judge us. No, 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 no. Guys, that's what the enemy wants you to think. Right? That is a lie from the enemy. 
We have to get into biblical community. We have to dig in. We've got to quit sidestepping these relationships, and we've got to dig in, build authentic, genuine relationships with people who can hold us accountable and hold us up to a higher standard of living. See, um, I think a lot of people, we, we miss this just because it's easier to, to not, right? It's easier just to go through life on autopilot and, and not confront the problems. But Paul teaches us in Galatians, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. See, Paul's giving us instructions on how to live together as as Spirit-led people. All right? Um, He he tells us to to carry each other's burdens. Notice he doesn't say we're not going to have burdens. We will. One of those burdens we carry is, is the weight and the heaviness of sin and trying to get out of it on our own. In, in different seasons of our life, we, we may carry other burdens, right? It may be financial issues. It may be uh, mental issues or, or emotional or, or uh, work issues. It could be illness. All kinds of burdens that we carry. We're not meant to carry those alone, right? We, we're supposed to come together and help each other carry those burdens, the biggest way we, we fail at, at, at doing this is, is by, again, just letting people know about the burdens that we're carrying, the things that we're struggling with. Um, we, we just have to, to, to be able to step into that. While, while I believe God can still do the miraculous and God can heal us, I don't believe we were meant to walk through that alone while we're waiting on God. Like, as we're waiting on God to, to provide that healing that we're, that we're longing for, he wants us to you know, lock arms with our brothers and sisters and, and walk together so that they can help hold us up when the weight gets just too heavy to carry on our own. See, just like Paul, the, the guy in our small group, he was right. We need to be vulnerable. We need to pursue authentic relationships with those within the church. I get it. Some people are, you know, the, the, the fear that the enemy puts in says that, that they'll, you know, judge you or whatnot. Like, that, that's a lie. At the same time, those of you who call yourselves Jesus followers, we got to quit being so judgmental, right? Like, a lot of people tried to be real with you before or with someone within the church just to be let down. So being in a community with other believers is important, and, and you know, Pastor Nick had mentioned this earlier, but if, if you're looking for a way to make this practical, I mean, this next week we're going to be launching off the, the small groups. This is a perfect time to actually dig in and make this practical. Like, I, I get it's summer, we're going on vacation. If you're going on vacation for six to eight weeks, like, I need you to hook me up with a job because I don't get paid that long to go on vacation. So let's make it a priority to, to pursue relationships with those inside biblical community. What's next? We, we've got relationships with people. We've got relationships with God. What's next? I believe that the next relationship that God has designed us to pursue are those with people outside of the church. Now, this is the scary part, right? This is the part that can be difficult. For me, it's the most difficult. It's easy to get plugged into a small group and lose focus on the next thing. We can't get so focused on what's happening in the church that we become paralyzed to those people who don't yet have a relationship with God. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. It's clear. We go make it disciples. The good news is 
We don't have to do it alone. It says here, God is with us. When we surrender our lives to Jesus and he deposits the Holy Spirit into our heart, we have the power to walk and to, to share the good news and share love with people. For the record, it's the same Holy Spirit that came down on the disciples as Jesus was ascending into heaven. It's the same Holy Spirit that was casting out demons and performing miraculous signs through the disciples. That same power lives within you and I today as spirit-filled people. feel like we, we can't get so comfortable with the people that are here that we miss out on the people that aren't here. Like, can you imagine if the gospel was just for the people in a, a certain circle, like it was a closed off group? Just think about that for a minute. Like, we wouldn't even have half the New Testament, right? Like, Paul wasn't always one of the in crowd, a part of the church. He was a hitman, an assassin. He killed and tortured and imprisoned Christians. It wasn't until he had an encounter with God that he was transformed into the person who would later lead thousands to God, right? So, okay, let's pause for a second because I get that, like, holy cow, what what does that mean? Like, that's a daunting task, right? First, I think we need to understand what discipleship is. Oftentimes, we think that that means we need to learn more things or have a seminary degree. But if you look at the people that Jesus hung out with, his core group was hardly someone that you would expect to like plant a church, right? Like fishermen, reformed tax collectors, murderers, criminals. Discipleship isn't about learning more things. It's about discovering and developing the reason you were created, living that out, and helping other people do the same thing. Discipleship is not about learning more things. It's about discovering and developing your purpose, the reason you were created, living that out, and then helping other people do the very same thing. See, oftentimes, as, as Jesus followers, we can be critical of ourselves and, and not see the true potential that God has in our life. If that's true for followers of Jesus, how much more so for people who don't have a relationship with God? Right? Like, again, I feel like this can be a daunting task, and so I, I want to try to break it down just a little bit more, not, not to water down the word of God, but, but to make it practical in a way that we can walk out of here and do something and not miss out on something super special. See, in 2 Corinthians, Corinthians, starting in 5.18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You guys see that? He gave us the gift of reconciliation. He gave us. Paul's wording here is is interesting and I think also very intentional. See, when someone gives you something, it's not a burden. It's not like a, a choice or it's not, a, it's not something that you have to do or a chore. You're excited to use that gift. Let's be excited about using the gift of reconciliation and pointing people to God. We gotta remember, it's not our job to save people. It's our job to introduce them to the one who will save them, right? Like I first learned this several years ago. I was like three weeks into like leading a small group, like was not didn't know what I was doing, 
probably still don't. Um, but it was, it was interesting because I was, I was leading this group and, and a new kid came in and, and he came in with a group of girls and he was super quiet. He didn't, you know, do anything during worship. We broke up into small groups. He didn't say anything. So as we were leaving, I introduced myself. I'm like, hey, my name's Mike. I'm glad you're here, man. What'd you think? He was just like, oh, I, cool, man. I, I don't really believe in this whole God thing. I'm just here to hang out with my friends. So, so I did not feel equipped to, like, be in this conversation right now. Like, right? Like, like I have a finance degree. Like, what am I doing? But here I am in the middle of the conversation. I couldn't just be like, all right, well, have a good day. You know, like, so I was I just talked to him. I was like, oh, that, that's cool, dude. I mean, I'm glad you're here. Now, I'm not going to smear the Bible in your face, but I mean, we're definitely going to talk about Jesus. I'd love for you to come back next week. And he was like, oh, cool, thanks. So he came back, and we just started hanging out. Like, outside of Wednesday nights, we would go to coffee shops and talk about things, and I wouldn't even, like, give him a Bible lesson. We were just talking about family and just normal stuff, right? Later on, that guy would go to surrender his life to Jesus. He would get baptized and then begin to serve in the local church. It was the coolest moment of my life. Now, to be clear, it was Jesus who changed that guy's heart. It was Jesus who opened his eyes to see things differently. All I did was be there for him, to, to talk to him and encourage him and introduce him to the one who would later save him. We have to be willing to pursue an authentic relationship with God. We've gotta be willing to pursue authentic relationships with those within the church. And we've got to get out of our comfort zone and we've got to be willing to pursue real, authentic relationships with those who do not yet know their Heavenly Father. Whether you're trying to figure out this whole God thing or you have a relationship with Him, whether maybe you're, you're in a small group but, but you're not so good at just like loving other people outside of the church who are differently, that look differently than you, I think we all have a next step. You see, I think oftentimes we forget that uh, even people who are, who are different than us or who look different than us, that, that they're still a child of God. Those people who are outside of the, the, the love of God, who don't know God, they're still, still a child of God. Those people who, who parent differently than you, maybe those parents who do or don't vaccinate their kids, they're still a child of God. Those people who may identify with a different sexual orientation than you think they should have, still a child of God. We all have somewhere that we can go. We all have next steps that we can be pursuing in order for us to experience this next level of love that God has for us. So as I close today, I just wanna encourage you guys to figure out where you are, figure out what your next step is, and take it. Whether it's joining a small group next week, whether it's inviting your neighbor to your small group or inviting them to church or just inviting them out to coffee. Just hanging out with them. Bring them over to dinner. Whatever it looks like, I believe that our Heavenly Father is waiting for us. He's waiting for us to run to Him, to pursue Him, and to just love Him and spend time with Him and to show others His love as well. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love You so much. I'm so thankful for Your love and Your mercy and Your grace renews every single morning. God, I pray for the people here who, who are in the process of figuring out where they're at or what their next step is, Lord. I just pray that you would, uh, you would give, them, give them insight. God, open their eyes, open their hearts to the, the plan and the desires that you have for them. God, for those that, that don't yet have a relationship with you, God, 
I just pray that in the quietness of this moment, that in the stillness of their heart, that they would just ask for you to come and, and reveal yourself to them. And God, that your Holy Spirit would just pour out over them and show them the love that you have for them and just fill them with compassion. And God, as they, as they pursue you and as they draw closer to you, God, I believe that you will continue to pursue them back and that you will draw closer to them and reveal yourselves in ways that they have never experienced and it will change their lives forever. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.